Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Idleman Unplugged. Uh, go ahead and subscribe where you uh, listen to all your podcasts. Same with Pastors Unplugged. I talk about this one or on this topic, I talk about uh, mainly things to do with pastoral ministry. And I guess this could qualify. So what I've been doing is taking questions that have coming in and Ironically, this question has came in a, a quite a bit. I've had it logged in, wanting to talk about it for a couple months. What is genuine revival? And then, as I'm wanting to record this, uh, the news of what's going on Asbury, Asbury University in Kentucky, you know, that's hitting now. And then this question's coming in. And then uh, on social media, I see, you know, a lot of people encouraged by a- Ashbury. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Asbury. And then also... A lot of negative comments, too. I'm like, well, this is interesting. So let me unpack this. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. Uh, but what is genuine revival? What is genuine revival? And just to give you a little bit of a background, I'm not an expert on this at all. Um, I just read a lot about revivals. God put that passion, desire in my heart about 22 years ago. And I think he gives us certain passions. So that's what we pursue. So others might be systematically going through the Bible. Others might be homeless ministry or mission field, or, you know, you just, you just want that God given passion to be fulfilled in your life. And mine is for revival. And so genuine biblical historical type of revivals, not weirdness. And, uh, and my, my heart just beats with that. I, I remember reading uh, D Martin Lloyd Jones, a lot of his books and he would talk about revival. Uh, this is like 22 years ago. And he would mention, uh, the Calvinist Methodist Fathers of Wells and big volume set, uh, Hal Harris, Griffin Jones, Daniel Rollins. Uh, and I would read about those men. I'd read about Evan Roberts in 1904, 1905. Of course, Duncan Campbell, the New Hebrides revivals and then the Welsh revivals. I've got a couple books I'm in right now on, uh, Scotland, the, the revivals that have broke out in Scotland. And you would be amazed at how many, I think Scotland is actually the, 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 the birthplace of, of, the most amount of, I shouldn't say the birthplace, the birthplace, but also the most amount of revivals. I mean, this book is this thick and it's got revival after revival after revival. And then of course you get, um, you know, you throw in there contemporary things. Um, I think it was, uh, even, uh, uh, you know, the Brownsville revival will come up right now. The Asbury revival, I believe the Asbury revival, uh, Ashbury revival was 1970 or so. And uh, that really sparked. I remember reading that book, too. Um, I don't remember exactly, but the services just went on exactly like what's happening today. And so, you know, in the midst of, you know, you have revival uh, in the you have genuine revival in the midst of false revival. So I mentioned, uh, you know, contemporaries like Brownsville revival, uh, Toronto blessing, uh, the Lakeland uh, revival, uh, which. Yeah, I've got some concerns on some of these for sure, but uh, some things are legitimate. Some things are false fire. Of course, now in this setting, uh, a church by the name of Bethel, you know, tags itself as a uh, a place of revival. I'm not sure that might be a separate podcast. 
And so what we have to understand is just because somebody might be doing weird things and is out there and that's not genuine fire, the, the, the false fire does not extinguish the genuine fire. It shouldn't. The genuine fire of God's spirit is always going to have a counterfeit trying to disrupt that. And I actually wrote down a few things here. Um, what kills revival and what kills revival is, um, this whole idea of, of, of division, or let's say it's in a church and then inside that church, I remember we've, we've lost people in our church because they think, um, you know, we're too focused on revival or emotionalism or things. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but division kills revival and false fire comes in and it can manipulate. It can cause uncertainty. And that, that's, that's why the enemy brings false fire is to try to extinguish that genuine fire. And it shouldn't. I happen, but it does often. So anyway, that's my history on studying revival. Um, I, I've, I've read a lot on it. I've seen, you know, Jonathan Edwards. I've got his works on, you know, the five characteristics of a genuine revival, elevating Christ, elevating the truth, pointing people to scripture, you know, fighting Satan. Uh, that's wonderful. You have Wesley and Whitfield and that whole era in 17, the 1700s and 1800s, you know, second great awakening. You know, Jeremiah Lampert started that great prayer meeting in uh, New York. And then from that, you know, you've got names like Charles Finney um, and a lot of people, you know, what was here's what's interesting to me. Um, he wrote lectures on revival and some of that I didn't agree with. Like, you, hey, revival's up to us, man. I mean, if you just do these things, it's going to come. Not necessarily because that you can't remove God's sovereignty. A lot of people, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, A.W. Tozer, Leonard Ravenhill were, were praying for mighty outpours of the spirit and really never saw. They'd see glimpses, but not at a mass scale in their in their lifetime. And they plowed the soil. Um, but it's funny. I was reading Finney, for example, and then I read um, people who are against revival, just like saying he's a false prophet, a false teacher. I'm like, whoa, what did I miss? I better go re reread his book again. So what you'll also see when there is a genuine revival, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Asbury here in a minute. Uh, Asbury, I need to learn how to, I should have looked up how to pronounce it. So please give me some grace here on this. Uh, Asbury, that's what I'm going to stick with. So um, genuine revival, there's always a word spoken against it. And you don't know this, or many people don't know this, but George Whitfield, yay, you know how many people came across against him and Wesley, they actually kicked him out of the church and they had to preach in the open field. Same thing with Spurgeon has detractors, not necessarily on revival, but on other things. Uh, every, every revival I just mentioned, there was always people opposing it. And often some of these people have good intentions, you know, they're, they're guarding God's truth, but often they've never experienced a powerful move of God in their own heart. And when you've never experienced a revival type atmosphere in your own heart, the, the presence and power of the spirit, the brokenness, the love, the worship, if you've never experienced that, you have a tendency um, to put down those who have. And that's what you'll see. You'll see. That's why I say judgmental Jerry, critical Cathy's, you know, they've got the truth, boy, and they'll make sure you know they've got the truth, but they're missing the gentleness, the fire, the brokenness, the humility. And that's where you see. So a lot of the criticism, just be careful. You know, some is warranted for sure. And that's where I, I listen to constructive criticism from spirit filled believers who are on fire for the Lord. When they offer constructive criticism, we need to listen. For example, I, I watched a podcast recently with Jim Garlow talking about this revival. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown talking about this uh, type of revival. It's been on uh, uh, CBN News. A friend of mine, Billy Hollowell, did a, a, a re, uh, interview with uh, with a with a student there. And um, so 
the the signs, I guess it took me six minutes to get to the marks of genuine revival are repentance and brokenness, a confession of sin, drawing closer to God, worship, and it's just that 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 atmosphere and his presence and you don't want to leave. So again, I'm not in Kentucky. I don't know. I can only go off what I'm seeing, like what you're seeing. I've talked to some people, uh, again, um, close, close to those who are there, such as Jim Garlow and others. And, uh, it, for all, for all intents and purposes, it seems like a genuine move of God's spirit. I don't know why we would question that. It, you, I've had all night prayer meetings and we've been to events and I've seen events two nights and, you know, maybe three, but I mean, the amount of work it would take without God's spirit to keep something going a week, uh, nonstop. Who's opening? Who's closing? Security issues, worship, division. Who's speaking? Anybody speaking? Who's leading? Jockeying for position. I mean, it has to be a, a moving of God's spirit, and so you see the fruit of it there. Now, there will be sometimes. I don't know if it'll be there. Many revivals are different. Under Duncan Campbell was different than Evan Roberts, and of course, you know, many talk about the Azusa Street, nineteen oh four, nineteen oh five revival there in Los Angeles. People say, well, that was fake, and because of tongues, and well, that comes from sensationists who don't believe that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, are for today. So, with all due respect, and I mean this, please understand from the bottom of my heart, with all due respect, I really can't look to sensationist to define revival for me. I just can't go there. They're, they're, they have opinions and things, but that's where a lot of this divide is, honestly. It's between those two groups. Uh, now, that doesn't mean we give permission to do weird stuff. Uh, if it's odd, it's God is not our battle cry. But, you know, at the end of the day, the fruit of the Spirit will come out if the working of the Spirit is is happening within the event. So, and then some other criticism I heard is, man, there's no preaching there. Well, number one, have you been there? Uh, do, you, do we know what started this? Was it, was there a chapel service? Was there the preaching of God's word from Romans? Um, and also, unless you're monitoring it, how do you know people don't go up and, and exhort from the Psalms or give a sermon? Um, see, what, what happens when you're free-flowing with revival-type atmosphere you, you, you can't just go, okay, now I'm going to, let's sit down for an hour and preach a sermon. It's, it's the, sometimes you can't even preach because the, the presence of God is so strong. You can only worship and pray. And maybe there are, are sermons going on, but just because there's not preaching the word all the time or, um, consistently doesn't mean that's not revival. As a matter of fact, God often says, man, get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit take over. Um, I know this might be a, a shock to a lot of people. But in studying those revivals, I would say, I don't even know, I don't want to guess, I would, I would say a good 80% um, were not sparked by preaching alone. They were prayer and fasting and travail and calling on God and seeking them with all their heart, with all their strength. And then the fire of God eventually came. The sacrifice was prepared. The altar was prepared. They laid the sacrifice themselves on the altar and the fire of God consumed them, uh, metaphorically speaking, with the spirit of God. Now, however, there's something. See, I don't know with preaching, you know, and, and this type of preaching, it has to be on repentance and holiness and the judgment of God and the truth of God. And, and of course, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. But no revival, again, that I'm aware of is birthed out of liberalism. You know, just being um, soft on the truth. You, you, you've, I've never seen it. I'd love to have someone show me a, a genuine revival, not a false fire. 
It's usually the preaching of the word, the, the calling out of sin, the deep repentance. And as a result, then now there's confession. Now there's confession and weeping and prayer and worship. And then the preaching, once the preaching has done its job, often it, it just steps back and lets the, lets God's spirit roll. I mean, after you, after you've called people to repentance and the spirit of God is moving, there's no further action on your part. Um, and then another, um, uh, criticism has come out a lot. You know, I've just watched a video yesterday. People are sending me all kinds of stuff to trying to just, you know, monitor um, this. Um, there is emotionalism. Uh, it's just emotionalism. Let me tell you, you're not going to go six days straight, 24 hours, seven days a week, just on pure emotionalism. You'll drain out, you'll burn out. Um, and a, a big lie out there is that we shouldn't have emotions when it comes to God. Hello? Hello, one of the biggest lies ever. God-given emotions are to experience Him in a profound and powerful way. So where there's no emotions at all, I need to question the sincerity of your commitment. Is that genuine revival is not sitting around, you know, just, uh, man, you know, no emotional engagement. So that excuse, again, is coming from those who've never experienced a powerful move of God. And then another accusation I've seen come in a little bit is, um, it's a woke university. I, again, I don't know anything about it. Could be some truth to that. Some of the students are woke. Are, is their theology woke? I didn't even listen to the sermon at the chapel. Um, so let's say that is true. Could be that God is waking up the woke. That's exactly what revival does. Waking up the spiritually dead. Spiritual resuscitation. So what's going on, at least what I see in a genuine revival, uh, they might have went in there woke, but they're going to come out of there awakened to the things of God. So that argument to me um, doesn't hold any weight. So real quick, revival killers, here's what I'm really worried about. Um, jealousy and envy. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I just told my wife this morning, man, Asbury is so incredible, but it's like it, um, not, I don't, is there godly jealousy? Because it should get us a little stirred. Like, why isn't it happening here? Lord, I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've been contending for years. Why isn't it happening here? And so I think that's like Israel got jealous at the Gentiles coming to faith. I think that's like, man, Lord, I want that here. So there's a little bit of man, you know, but God uses the least likely at the least strategic place possibly, or maybe actually this is a real strategic place because it's central and they've got the staff to, you know, to man it, security, worship, um, ushering. If there is that, you know, 24 seven can be open. A lot of places can't do that, you know, for certain reasons. So, um, a revival killer in your own heart, in your own life, if you want it in your church, don't have jealousy, maybe a little bit of, of a godly jealousy, like God is jealous for our affections, but I'm, I'm, I want that versus like, I don't care what's going on. It doesn't matter to me. There should be a, um, a, a righteous, um, uh, desire for God to do that here. And then as we have that desire, when you have a desire, it's backed by action. And that action is seeking him till you find him fasting and praying um, but one of the revival killers I want to talk about, no flesh to glory in his presence. So what they're going to have to be very careful of is um, man taking credit. You know, I started this this uh, uh, message. You know, I started this like Steve Hill in Brownsville. You know, he he didn't do this, but I'm just thinking, you know, this would be an example. 
of of somebody taking credit and then wanting to post it, wanting to get likes and 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 subscribers, and now um, we're, we're we're taking look at what we did, look at what we're doing, and then psh, you might see that fire fade out. So I don't know. I I mean I can't tell you either way. I'm not there, uh, but the fruit I've I've I'm seeing, what I'm witnessing, what I'm talking, who I'm talking to, seems like an absolute genuine move of God that all churches should. Can you imagine? If God started moving at many of the Bible believing churches, 5,000, 6,000, and, and we just didn't want to go, we want to wait. And we have seasons like that. We're, we have Ren the Heavens weekend or week or two weeks at a time. It's coming up soon. We're going to, we're going to meet for the whole weekend, Wednesday night, seek the heart of God. And if he just continued that, that fiver and fervency to go, people, Hey, I want to open the church. I want to put on worship and, and, God, how was how that a bad thing? Like, I really don't understand these judgmental D- Jerry's and critical Cathy's. Um, so no flesh of glory in his presence. And then also when we try to manipulate things, um, you know, where they're trying to make things happen or, you know, trying to post things to, to, to kind of keep the fire going and, and make, you know, like this happen and, and, it's it, manipulation of the Holy Spirit and maybe manipulating things that aren't genuine. So they're going to be very careful in that area as well. Plus, we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before, uh, other than, um, you know, maybe a few little things here and there. But we're now with social media, with Twitter, you know, Instagram, Facebook. I've seen it on all these platforms. Now, look what's going on. Look what's going on. Look what's going Can you imagine the 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 amount of stress to try to keep that going now that everyone's watching. So you have to just step back and say, Lord, it's up to you. You're in sovereign. We take no credit. We just want to be instru- instruments. We want to be vessels uh, of what you're doing. And then you just take a humble position. Don't try to manipulate anything, but it, it's tough with social media <clears throat> and everything that's out there because <clears throat> I do believe you can promote um, what's going on to some degree. It's like, Hey, we're meeting again tonight. We'd love to see you there. Versus over promoting, overcompensating, manipulating. Um, and, and so it is a fine balance, I think, there. But in all, all the old revivals I read about, God drew the people. Uh, there wasn't marketing. There wasn't gimmicks. There wasn't social media for sure. There wasn't contests. There wasn't raffles. There wasn't potlucks. It was God drawing people. And that's really what we need. Uh, and then also another revival killer is sin. Um, he's, the enemy's going to come in and try bringing sin, besetting sin. People may be falling back into their old lifestyle, killing that revival. The, probably the leaders, the primary guy, although God doesn't, he's getting all the glory. He's also going to use certain leaders because leaders, <clears throat> here's the thing, leaders at a, at a revival type service or an atmosphere of revival. Leaders are responsible for stewarding the atmosphere of that. Uh, in some cases I read about, you know, they'd say nobody was really preaching. Nobody was really leading. It was spontaneous. And that is true. But overall, the, 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 the overseers of that church, of, of that congregation, uh, or that, or that campus, you know, they, they're, they're responsible for stewarding that atmosphere because they've been given that responsibility. And I already talked about division, uh, division, how that can really stifle. And what you'll see, I hope, hopefully not there. And this could be a different thing, but in a church, Usually in a church, revival stirs up. So the comfortable become convicted. Uh, the lukewarm become a little upset and challenged. And the arrogant Pharisee just likes his, you know, quiet, you know, do this, do that. Don't get too, they, they're like disturbed. And they're saying that this is emotionalism. I, I, this isn't worship. Uh, the problem is their heart is either hard and callous and they're not uh, genuinely a, 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 converted. They're not a believer. 
You know, there's a lot of people like that in church. Trust me. They're, they've got head knowledge, but heart knowledge. Or they're critical, like, ah, uh, that, why, why are they at the altar? That's emotionalism. Well, why don't you spend time at that altar and find out what God does in your own heart? So I think, I think judgmental Jerry's and critical Cathy's, if you're watching this, you need to repent. Uh, I'm not saying Ash, uh, Ashbury's legitimate. I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no clue. I'll, I'm looking at exactly what you're looking at, but to be critical right now, I think is very, um, um, dangerous. And so I would encourage you to repent of critical hearts and, um, being judgmental and allow the spirit of God. See, we need revival in our own individual hearts. You who are listening, you need revival in your own individual hearts. And it begins with repentance. Repent from that. And if you're lukewarm, you're callous, you're cold, you're not really following God wholeheartedly. You're, you're wavering between two opinions. Let this, what God is doing, let this be the spark that leads to genuine repentance and you'll experience the revival in your own heart. And then finally, the, the last question uh, people are asking, what well, should I go to this? Should I go to this? And I, I watched a video and this lady said, you know, you don't need to go because God is everywhere. You've got the word. Um, don't get caught up in that. And, you know, there is, um, as with all things, there's, there's truth in the middle of a lot of the, of, of sincere believers. You know, a lot of what they're saying is true, but is the attitude behind it true? So I would say this. Do I have to go? No. Um, do I need to go? That's between you and God. For example, in my case, I just talked to a brother this morning. He's on his way there, I think, coming from Canada. Hopefully he makes it. You know, he's going to spend a lot of time there. God has that laid it on his heart. And I told him, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. Like I looked at, I even looked at from LAX to Kentucky, um, you know, round trip and the dates. And I'm like, I just, I just don't feel it. Uh, not to mention layovers and a lot of time. I, I just, I'm just not feeling going there. And can you bring back the fire? Here's the thing. There are a lot of incidents where people will go to the Welsh revivals and bring it back to America or the Great Awakening and bring it to other churches. And so there, it, it's not impartation. Um, and I don't think that has to happen. But often, see, the exception doesn't mean it's the rule, right? It's the exception. So I believe there is something profound and powerful if God draws you to an event and that event literally changes you from the inside out, you experience the revival fires and you are just on fire for God and you bring that back. I think that's very beneficial and um, noteworthy and biblical. If God is, that's what God wants to do. In my case, I felt just the complete opposite. I don't feel I need to go there at all. What I'm sensing again God's saying, Shane, I've called Westside Christian Fellowship for this season in California. Keep in Los Angeles County, by the way. Hello. Keep contending. Keep pressing in. Keep praying. Keep fasting. And you stay put right where I have you. You need to be that spark inside of Los Angeles. That's where I want you. And so I would never say, well, I, that anointing is not going to come unless I go there and have it transferred to me. No, that's, I don't think that would be biblical at all. God, God is directing certain individuals and the key is to be obedient to that direction and to be teachable and to be humble. So anyway, I want to keep this somewhat short. If you have questions, uh, email them to shaneidleman.com, shaneidleman.com. And again, I will have future podcasts on other topics on revival and maybe talk about some of the churches that are experiencing so-called revival. What's false fire? What's, what's not? Again, subscribe here. Uh, make sure to go to Rumble right now, Shane Eidelman at Rumble. 
And uh, I think that's going to be our ongoing platform for live streams. Oh, I did want to tell you also, um, if you get a chance, watch uh, March, uh, February, actually February 26th, February 26th. It's a Wednesday night. We're having a special service. You can watch our live feed at Westside Christian Fellowship at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we've got a powerful testimony from Richard Andrew. I'm going to maybe just give a brief exhortation, but we're just going to, we're just going to camp out. We're going to worship. We're going to wait to see what God wants to do. And we're also going to do that again, March 4th, uh, March 4th, which is a Saturday night. Of course, I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. And then for Easter weekend, we're going to meet Friday night, Saturday night. You want to be there Saturday night the night before Easter and then also Easter services. So we're, we're, we're preparing that we're, we're getting the, the heart of California ready. And of course we may not see uh, evil, the tide of evil, you know, breaking, but we will see the resistance of good forcing it back and bringing a lot of people into the kingdom. The point of revival is not utopia. It's not, Oh, perfect. Just like the America, America, 1950s. No, that that's done. That's over. But we need to fight against the evil. We need to uh, prepare Christians for what is coming. We also need to lead unbelievers to the cross. And that revival, when revival awakens the church, now an awakened church goes out and leads people to the cross, leads to uh, revival in, in the lives of unbelievers. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord because they repented. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidelman.com. Again, that's shaneidelman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these eBooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.